I'm Cathy Van Royen from Chatty Cathy. The world has changed since I've started these podcasts. Normal looks different. And it sounds different. Now more than ever, stories are waiting to be told. And I'm here to share them with you. Peter Darrell is a successful businessman, mentor, athlete, with 50 years of extraordinary running, he has many stories to share. He's passionate about helping others, and now, in this time of uncertainty, he poses the challenge, why live by default when you can live by design? Well, Peter, very different time of our lives in that we're not sitting in the car outside McDonald's and we're not doing a, <laughs> a podcast as such, we're doing a recording. So yeah, let's see how it goes. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very, very excited about this morning. In this time of change, it's wonderful to be doing new things and not being st- stuck in the old routine. Well, yeah, I think um, you who who's so used to the routine might find it quite an adjustment of not going out on your busy ways and doing your daily runarounds and connecting. So I think everybody, the world has been forced to have this time of change, which is in itself quite entertaining for me, looking at it from the psychological perspective. So yeah, so how are you going to cope? Well, we'll find out as as we go along. It's quite interesting. This morning, I've already been out twice. Uh, I went out for my normal morning routine walk. I did that, no problem at all. It was very pleasant. I came back, reported, what a beautiful morning. No moon, clear sky, and the stars were very bright. And then I wanted to post... Sorry? No, go ahead. I then wanted to post my normal sunrise photograph that I have been doing for the last couple of weeks, just to spread a message of positivity around the world. But normally I take it whilst I'm driving somewhere. But this morning I, I walked out to get a get a shot of the sunrise. And I found it a little cooler than it was at half past four. But uh, yeah. I've done that and I'll post that after we finish. And seasons are definitely changing. So, you know, due to our already in, enforced restrictions of social gatherings, you had quite a different weekend of running. I did. I... Um, I sort of spoke about doing virtual runs, but it wasn't a virtual run. It was a physical run. Sue and I went out and we did two 10K runs on Saturday and Sunday. I quite spoke about the Saturday run as the bliss run because it was the old Viscam uh, course, which used to be called the Reebok. And then in earlier days was the, the bliss half marathon. And it was amazing the response I had. So many people responded to say, the bliss was my first ever half marathon. And then folks dug out their records to see what time they'd done. They'd done, and in those days, believe it or not, the cutoff time for a half marathon was two hours, 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Sue checked her records. She actually did the run in two hours 13. I had a friend from, from who's now in Plettenberg Bay 
Heather, and she had reported that she did her first, and she did it in two hours, 12 minutes. And wow. then I got a report from Sheila in Australia, talking about how she'd done it. And uh, uh, it was some wonderful exchanges going on. I was then able to actually find a photograph of Sue and I running the race in 1990, which I posted on Facebook. And that oh. again put up all sorts of uh, comments and so on, with even Alan Robb putting in his pennies worth. Alan actually spoke about, he still has the t-shirt from those days. Um, so it was quite an exciting uh, uh, Facebook posting. Well, I, I didn't do the Bliss Half Marathon, um, but I did do, it was, this game was my first ever fun run, my first official ever race, shall we say, in, in the adult sense. Um, so, yeah, I think the Discam route is, um, and it's quite hilly as well. So, although, you know, you're supposed to be, we were supposed to be keeping our social distance at that time now from Thursday in South Africa, the full-on lockdown goes into effect. So how is that going to affect your morning walks around your neighbourhood and consequent solo runs? Because you won't be able to do it anymore. I haven't seen the exact legislation re regarding exercise, and I've just assumed it'll follow what is happening elsewhere. In France, they talk about you're not allowed to move more than a kilometer from home. Um, and I don't quite know what they're saying in England, but at least you are able to go out and exercise, uh, but alone and that sort of thing. So I'm at the moment just going to operate within those parameters and um, stick to within a kilometer of home and see what happens. But so I don't know if you saw it, but there was a post on Facebook of some guy, I, I think it was in Italy, who actually ran a marathon on his, on his veranda. Yeah, I did see it. And the, the Strava map as well is very amusing. It looks like he's just taken a big cookie pen and just scribbled over, over the middle of his map because he went up and down that many hundreds of times. Hundreds so of times. It's, it's amazing how people will find different means to get what, what they need. And that, that's, that's the beauty. I mean, I know it's very constrictive and it's very... Um, mind-numbing but there's so many ways that people become quite entrepreneurial in their thinking in this time of lockdown which the restraint is 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 i mean solutions who would have thought you could do about uh, my friend had a, a problem doing a double lapper of a marathon <laughs> this there's this guy doing 42 kilometers on his balcony yeah but but against that i was scheduled this week to take part in the circuit race and the circuit race is running round and round a circuit of, of 500 meters, okay, which is a little bigger than a veranda, but but still it's a little bit of that same that same uh, monotony. But you do have a, li a little bit of support from the the officials and the other other participants, so it makes it a little bit easier. I thought of it this morning as I was doing my little circuit. I wonder how many times I can do this without uh, without stopping. So those are things. Those are things that have to be conquered, and so on. 
Yeah, and you, and you do hear, I mean, of the people that manage to train for comrades, for instance, which is a 90K training, 90K run, but they do it on a treadmill or otherwise prisoners manage to train for marathons in the prison yard and things like that. So it yes. just goes to show if there is a will, especially to run, people will find a way. There was that, there was that American who came out and ran comrades and, and won, and he was training through, through winter in America. And he only trained for comrades on a treadmill and okay. was still able to win, which is which is quite something, yes. Yeah, yeah. So times ahead, what are what is what are you going to be doing work wise? What is your um, way forward or have you not really had much time to think about it? I haven't I haven't had much time to think about it. I've I found some challenging things and I think we all need to focus on our minds and, and our thinking. And I just this morning we'd like to just look at a couple of the a couple of the positive signs that are coming out of the corona coronavirus. I read in yesterday's business day a quote to, to say that the fall in pollution during China's lockdown may have saved twenty times more lives than have been lost with the infection. And we've, we've, we've seen other posts about how the world is healing itself, where suddenly the smog and the muck in China has cleared, and one's able to see, see the factories and to see so much more. Uh, they talk about in, in Venice how the canals are now flowing, the canals are clear, and that one can see, can, can see fish which have never been visible or haven't been visible for a long time. Yeah. And then there was an incredible post by Bill Gates where he posted about what is Corona-19 virus really teaching us. And I thought there were some wonderful things. And it's reminding us that we're all equal regardless of our culture, religion, occupation, financial situation, and how famous we are. The disease treats us all equally. Perhaps we should too. And he goes on to say, if you don't believe me, just ask Tom Hanks. Yeah. He says it reminds us that we're all connected and something that affects one person has an effect on one another. And it's reminding us that false borders that we have put up have little value as this virus does not need a passport. It is reminding us by pressing us for a short time of those in the world whose whole life is spent in oppression reminding us of how precious our health is. It's reminding us of the shortness of life and what is most important for us to do, which is to help each other, especially those who are old or sick. Our purpose is not to buy toilet rolls. It reminds yeah. us of how materialistic our society has become and how when in difficulty we remember that it's the essentials that we need as opposed to the luxuries that we sometimes unnecessarily give value to. It's reminding us of how important our family and home life is. It's reminding us that our true work is not our job, that it is what we do, not what we were created to do. Our true work is to look after each other, to protect each other, and to be a benefit of one another. I like this one. It's reminding us to keep our egos in check reminding us no matter how great we think we are or, or how great others think we are, 
the virus can bring our world to a standstill. It's reminding us that the power of free will is in our hands. We can choose to cooperate and help each other, to share, to give, to help, and to support each other. Or we can choose to be selfish, to hoard, to look, look after only oneself. Indeed, it is difficult to bring out the true colors. And sorry, I'm just, may have to edit this out. Dropping all your papers. I like the I, uh, one about um, the earth saying uh, it's time to everybody to go to the room and we all need to just, and so it can do its work and reset. So I, I quite like the fact that, you know, for all of us, as a lot of people want to take a day off sick from work or school or whatever, and now it's forced and now everybody wants to be outside. I find that quite funny. <laughs> yes, yes. It's reminding us that we can be patient or we can panic. We can either understand that this type of situation has happened many times before in history and will pass, or we can panic and see it as the end of the world and consequently cause ourselves more harm than good. It's reminding us that we can, it is reminding us that this can either be an end or a new beginning. This is a time of reflection and understanding where we can learn from our mistakes or we can be the start of a cycle which will continue until we finally learn the lesson we were meant to do. It is reminding us that the earth is sick. It's reminding us that after each difficulty, there will be ease. Life is cyclical, and it's just a phase in this great cycle. We do not need to panic. This too will pass. And he concludes by saying, whereas many see the coronavirus as a great disaster, I prefer to see it as a great corrector. And I think those are the things we need to, to focus on at this, at, this, at this time. And I, you know, I, I talk about with our faith and uh, how, the good, how the good book tells us that uh, um, we must stop being afraid and it, it repeats so many times fear not but how does this work in real life that's your sphere of operation what have you got to say kathy well look the, the good book works for you and, and and many people in this time of uncertainty will re, will return to their faith um with questions as to why especially if they are facing you know illness or you know death death of a loved one the the the, the fear of the illness is being kind of played down because it doesn't seem to be affecting everyone it's not like it's instantly transmittable i think the lockdown is more of one of containment which a lot of people then don't believe because it doesn't look like people are getting sick we're not really seeing seeing locally we don't understand you know so that fear gives rise to a lot of the selfish what you said about keeping an ego in check is it safer to go and and run because it, I'm not sick, but it's not a matter about I, it's a matter about collective containment. And a lot of people, unfortunately in South Africa, don't have the means of self-containing. I mean, if you're living 20 people in a very small confined space as a means of just getting a bed, how do they adjust and how do, so we can go outwards and compare ourselves, which then gives rise to other fears. So I think ultimately, it's almost like a forced internal check 
So yes, we have to stay inside or contained. It, you know, when, when one of the um, prisoners' worst fears is solitary confinement. And for a lot of people who don't share their space with another, it is a means of how am I going to cope for 21 weeks? Yes, we've got the internet and we've got social means of reaching out, but that missing of, of physical touch, that missing, missing of social interaction can actually evoke a lot of fear. And this is only, we haven't even started ours in South Africa. Ours, ours only officially starts on Thursday. So what I am actually doing as a therapist in my day job is I'm offering people online consults at the price that they can afford. So if they can afford 10 Rand or a thousand Rand, whatever they're willing to spend, um, just as a means of an external person to talk. And what, what I say is like, don't try and push through the fear as a lot of the popular state statements go like, feel the fear and do it anyway. I'm going to feel it, but really feel it. Let's look at it. What is this fear saying? Is it, is it, oh, I'm scared of being on my own? or I'm scared of I don't know what, because if once we start to address the actual fear, usually the word fear is bigger than the actual fears. So my, my premise of looking at the fear is like, well, what exactly are you scared of? Do you know? Let's narrow it down. Let's drill it down. Let's talk it down. Let's see what it is that we're actually scared of. Because sometimes when, just like that song from, from the 80s, Bright Blue, we used to sing about, it wasn't roaring, it was weeping. So sometimes people making the loudest noise are the most fearful, but they don't know it as that. So that's how I handle fear is like, let's go inside, let's talk about it, bring it to the surface. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Where in your body is it showing up? Because when we simplify the fear, it becomes easier to, man to manage. Which is, uh, is very interesting. I've got something in front of me at the moment, which is talking about how we, how we address it. And it says we address it with two questions. And the first one is, where is my focus? And that's exactly what you're focusing on. And yeah. establishing where is our focus. So I think these are things we need to dwell on over the, over the next couple of weeks and uh, maybe talk more about it next week. Yeah. I, I just like the one thing I saw talking about this, about this crisis. And it's a case of the Chinese symbol for crisis is actually made up of two characters. And the first one represents danger. And the second one represents opportunity. So as we look at it, there's danger and there's opportunity. Yeah. I think you've identified an opportunity for your business where you offering online consultations and it's a wonderful opportunity so i think yeah. we should all be copying and emulating you kathy it's been Thank wonderful chatting you. about it's been unusual and this podcast without seeing you and without telling you to stop fiddling with your glasses <laughs> <laughs> so next week we'll be online again so looking forward to chatting in the cyberspace so thanks for your time peter wonderful kathy thank you